Happy Hearts is a free community craft program for kids aged 1 to 5 designed to encourage growth and creativity through Bible stories. Join us each Tuesday during the school term from 9.30 till 11am at the Senior Citizens Hall, 401 Warburton Highway, Wandon North. For more information or to register, go to happyhandsart.com.au forward slash happyhearts or contact Patricia on 0425 854 516. That's 0425 854 516. Happy Hearts. Free fun for kids and the mess stays with us. to Faith FM, Positively Different Radio. Hi, I'm Delaine. Hi, I'm Sunny. Hi, I'm Dragon. Hi, I'm Nigel. And we'd like to invite you to our church, the, the Southern Illawarra Seventh-day Adventist Church. We meet every Saturday morning at 10.30am to study the Bible, followed by our main service at 11.30am. You can find us at 107-109 to 109 Princess Highway, Dapto. We are in the High Ninja Hall inside the Dapto Ribbonwood Centre. For more information, you can get in touch with us on Facebook. Just search for Southern Illawarra Seventh-day Adventist Church. Or contact us on 0402-716-762. We hope to see you soon and stay tuned to Face FM. This bulletin travel advice under review. The happiest countries in the world and an NRL star shrugs off criticism. Good morning, I'm Jess Drummond. Australia is reviewing travel advice for tourists visiting Gallipoli for Anzac Day following comments made by Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan. Mr Erdogan claimed diggers fought in Gallipoli for anti-Islam reasons and made threats against Australians holding anti-Muslim sentiment. Prime Minister Scott Morrison described the remarks as highly offensive in the wake of the terrorist attack in Christchurch. Stadium spending and climate change have dominated a leaders' debate days out from the New South Wales election. Here's Tamara Wern. Opposition leader Michael Daly won the coin toss and opened the debate singling out climate change, while Premier Gladys Berejiklian highlighted her $90 billion spend on infrastructure. Mr Daly failed to say how much he'd spend on refurbishing the Sydney football stadium, while the Premier stood by her $729 million knockdown rebuild. Both leaders did not rule out blocking a private application to build a coal-fired power station, but their governments wouldn't fund one. Tamara Wern reporting. Families wanting to claim government assistance for the 2017 to 18 financial year are being urged to act now. They have until the 30th of June to lodge their tax return or contact human services. The department's general manager, Hank Jongen, says it's important not to leave it until the last minute. You have until the 30th of June to either lodge your tax return or let us know that you don't need to lodge one so that we can work out whether you've been correctly paid family tax benefit in the 2017-18 financial year. 
Contact details can be found on the Human Services website. And Nordic countries have headed this year's UN Table of the World's Happiest Countries, with Finland coming in at number one for the second year in a row. Austria has nudged Australia out of the top ten this year. New Zealand was in eighth place. The report ranks countries on six key variables, income, freedom, trust, life expectancy, social support and generosity. Checking sport now in NRL, Brisbane star Anthony Milford isn't taking any notice of criticism of his combination with half Cody Nicarima. Milford and his halves partner have been under scrutiny since the Broncos' opening round loss to Melbourne. However, he says he's just focusing on doing his job well. I think with the structures and everything that we got, um, it can bring a lot of attacking from everyone, and um, especially myself. We get the balls in our hands a lot more with uh, the structure that we got at the moment, so yeah, just need to take the line on more and get in the game. The Broncos take on North Queensland tonight at Suncorp Stadium. And in AFL, St Kilda has re-signed promising draftee Max King until the end of the 2022 season. That's the latest news on sport. I'm Jess Drummond. Welcome back, guys. This is Encounter with God coming to you all the way from Ethiopia. You are with the Double L team and the M Factor. All of the whole team is right here in the city of Awasa, the second largest. Yes, what? You're not getting away with it. What? what? Yesterday you told us that somehow the Pharisees had come up with some sort of complicated loophole to get around the fifth commandment. They had. And I want to know what it is because yesterday you wouldn't tell oh, us. Oh, yeah, that's right. You tell were like, us. it's really right, complicated. Right, I want right, to know. All right, all right, right, right. You gotta, you I wrote it down this. so I wouldn't forget. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I had all kinds of interesting other things to talk about this morning. We'll get there once you keep your promise. <laughs> Matthew chapter 15. All right, she's making me go to Matthew 15. Let's go over there right now. Matthew chapter 15. And we are going to read, uh, let me see here. We're going to start reading in verse, we're going to read verse 3, 4, and 5. Who's got it? I got, I got it. Okay, Lawson has it. Or Lawson has it. Jesus replied, And why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? For instance, God says, Honor your father and your mother. And anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it is all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you say they don't need to honor their parents, and so you cancel the word of God for the sake of your own tradition. Okay, so your translation makes that way, way easier to understand and less complicated. If I was to read that one in the KJV, you'd be like, what on earth is all that about? But anyway, okay, so let me let me go back through what's taking place here. Jesus has been accused of uh, breaking the tradition of the elders mm-hmm. because his disciples don't do a ceremonial, not a hygienic, I should say, but a ceremonial washing of hands before they eat. And the Pharisees are all upset and they're all bent out of shape because they don't do this uh, this particular little hand washing ceremony. Uh, it didn't have to involve water, by the way. Um, it could just, you know, involve certain hand movements and, and you, then you were good to eat. And so uh, Jesus then turns it around on them and says, okay, I might break the tradition of the elders. Sure. Yep, I'll wear that. But you break the commandments of God. Now, which is worse? Because you've created a loophole whereby you can get around the fifth commandment. So let me explain how um, aged care worked in the time of Jesus and in Bible times. Aged care was the responsibility of the children. 
And so um, it was your responsibility as the uh, as your parents got older, you were to invest your resources to make sure that they were well looked after. I mean, it kind of still is to some degree, isn't it? It kind of still is to some degree, although in Western society we do tend to uh, save up for our old age and try not to be a burden to our children. I'm ho- hoping to get old enough so that I am a burden to my children. But <laughs> Revenge. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, but um, so, so this, was, this was how it would work. And so then, of course, um, the Jewish people were looking for a loophole because that would cost them significant amounts of money and resources to look after their parents in their old age. They're like, how can we get around this commandment? You know, we need to find a loophole here. And so they came up with this system where you could pronounce uh, Corbin over anything that you owned. All right, now, when you pronounce Corbin over one of your possessions, that means that you no longer own it. It means that it now belongs to the temple. So you're being very, very pious. You are giving your possessions to the temple. Oh. Okay, so this is this is, this is is like super pious. Like, oh, yeah, I've pronounced Corbin over this particular possession. I'm right a really here. spiritual dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I God. And this, I've, I've given this to the temple. Um, the, the, the cool thing, though, was that while ever you lived, you got to use it. <laughs> That's <Okay>. so shady. <laughs> okay, so then your parents reach their old age and their parents are like, well, you know, we need some resources, we need some help, um, you need to help us out. You've got resources. Be like, look, I'm really sorry, but this does not belong to me. That's so convenient, isn't it? It's so convenient. That's rough, Corbin, geez. So, yeah, that's mean. I might, I might call Corbin on my son. Nah, nah, just joking. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, mum <Yeah>. and dad. <laughs> oh dear. Um, and so, yeah, that was that was that was the loophole that they came up with, and you know. Um, if you want to, uh, yeah, it's, it's a little bit like we find loopholes in our tax system these days. Yeah. They were finding loopholes in the commandments of God. Now, if you find a loophole in the tax system and it's legal, I say go for it. But if you find a loophole, if you create a loophole in the commandments of God, then that's a major that's problem. Not very good. That's not a very good thing. Okay, so what then happens is Jesus goes on to make this statement in Matthew chapter 15 after having talked about this whole uh, loophole system. He says, you hypocrites, and that's a fair call. Isaiah prophesied of you saying, this people draw near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In other words, they're totally selfish, which is the total opposite of what Christianity is all about. Mm. And there is a mosquito buzzing around my face, and I don't Uh-oh. like that in Africa. Let me slap it for you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. A mosquito on my face. Where? <laughs> Malaria or a slap? Okay. Like- I'll go with the slap, believe me. Okay. Um, so these people draw near with me with their mouth. In other words, they're saying, yes, we're, 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 we're righteous. We, we have pronounced Corbin. We have uh, you know, dedicated our possessions to the temple. We're so pious here and all the rest. He says, but in vain do you worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And so here Jesus takes this prophecy of Isaiah, where Isaiah says that they are drunk, they are intoxicated, spiritually intoxicated because they have been drinking in the teachings of men that cause you to break the commandments of God. Mm. So it's not just the teachings of men. 
You know, there's lots of traditions in the world, and there's some really, really wonderful traditions, um, just amazing traditions that... Uh, yeah, like Thanksgiving at Lyle's house. Absolutely. That is an amazing tradition. Yeah, it's just the best ever. Uh, there's nothing wrong with the tradition, but when that tradition goes against the commandments of God, mm. it's, it's, it's something else. When, when, when we were up in Aksum... Um, and, 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 you know, we, we, there was this, there was a procession that they have in the morning. And so we got up early at five o'clock in the morning. And, you know, that's a fairly early start. Yeah. And literally half of the population, at least half the population of Axum was up at five o'clock in the morning. You had families there. You had all the little kids and so forth. And uh, they were all wearing their traditional clothes. And, I'm, I'm, you know, this is traditional clothes for an ancient civilization. Mm. You know, when you talk about traditional clothes in Africa, some people think, you know, grass skirts. No, 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 no. This is a civilization that goes back 4,000 years. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and with deep respect. They're doing this procession. They're all holding candles. They're all singing. You've got the men in the front, so you get these deep voices singing in geese, which is Ethiopic. And then you get the women behind, and they respond. And it's just the most beautiful uh, experience ever. And it's a tradition. There's, there's, there's mm-hmm. nothing in the Bible that says you should do this, but they take their, their, their religion so seriously. And I'm sort of thinking, you know, when my kids were growing up, I would have loved to have been able to take them to something like this, you know, mm-hmm. early in the morning as the day starts. They're just out there and they're honoring God. I yeah. think we should put some of that footage up on our social medias because I saw the footage and it's just breathtakingly beautiful. Mm. And we almost, will when we get good enough internet. Yeah, it's almost a little <laughs> bit eerie as well because it's dark and then all these people are walking by. And the traditional garb actually consists of like white robes almost. And so it was kind of ghost-like watching these people walk by in their whites. It was really incredible. Mm. Yeah, and this is a country where the electricity is really dodgy and there's no street lights. Mm. And so it just adds to the whole feeling. My friend Etienne, who I was with, walked in to the middle of a tree that he didn't see. <laughs> he got a big old bruise and oh, cut his arm and blood going everywhere. Oh, no. <laughs> Been laughing at him ever but since. Just um, as we're talking about, you know, the traditions, um, I think my my Bible puts it so simple, simply put when we're talking about, you know, intoxication from man-made traditions. It's just, it just says right here um, in verse 9 of Matthew chapter 15, it says, Their worship is fast, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. Yeah. It's like the simplest, easiest way to put it. It's you're teaching things that you made up and saying that it's from God and this is what leads people and if I was to false to, worship. If I was to make a criticism of uh, what I saw in Axum, I would suspect that you know these traditions are presented as being commands of God. Mm. Uh, now, I, I'm, that's just the, that was just the impression that I got. Um, I don't know whether that's for sure or not. And I could be speaking. And that can know, be a very dangerous path to go down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no yeah. churches that have that sort of. Stance. But then again, maybe that's not the case because you know there were those who weren't part of the procession, but everybody up there showed incredible reverence and honor towards God, mm. which was which was super, you know, very special. We need, I think we need to be very careful to learn the differences between tradition and law within our religions. Uh, I remember when I was. Uh, a very lukewarm Christian and people used to ask me why I go to the church on Saturday and I used to say oh it's just tradition for our church and so which is terrible because it's a law of God and you know You're listening to Faith FM Positively Different Radio 
Yeah, and so any kind of tradition like that, that, you know, if you do not know Jesus, if he is not a part of your life, a tradition that might be a good tradition can become meaningless. And of course, in your case, Mon, uh, the a Sabbath law has. Can become a tradition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A law can become a tradition, and, and, and the law of God should never become a tradition. And this is really what the issue here is. You know, when we come back to Babylon that has made all nations drink the wine of Babylon, we find that the wine of Babylon is symbolic of traditions that do away with the commandments of God. Yeah. I think it's it's so interesting as well, our religious climate. Um, as Christians, you look at a lot of um, modern Christian movements and there there is this push against the law of God and against the Sabbath of, oh, it's irrelevant, you know, oh, it is, it, it's a tradition. It's like, no, these, this is the, the foundational principle of the law of God. This came from, from, from God wrote these laws on stone. Is there, is, can you get any closer to, to the will and the commands of God than God himself literally writing it on stone? And this is one of the things I found that was kind of sad up, at, uh, up in Axum is that, you know, you've got this ancient culture, this ancient civilization, um, the second country in the world to make Christianity the state religion. And this was a church that, you know, we're talking about the Sabbath here uh, as a commandment of God. And of course, they kept the Sabbath there for, yeah. for generations. And I'm talking to the, to the local Ethiopians about it. And of course, now Sunday has preeminence over the Sabbath. And I'm asking, well, you know, how does this actually work today? And they're like, yes, yes, we, in, in the past, we used to keep the Sabbath. But, you know, in, in the 1600s, we, we moved over to keep Sunday, but we still keep the Sabbath. I'm like, oh, OK, how does that work? Well, you know, we don't carry water on the Sabbath. We don't cook on the Sabbath, uh, this kind of thing. Um, and we call that the first Sabbath. We have the first Sabbath and then we have the second Sabbath where we go to church. And so you've got this, you know, what, what, what has happened is tradition has replaced the commandments of God, even though the commandments of God are still kind of there. And you've got this unbroken Sabbath keeping uh, to a certain extent that goes from, you know, basically the time of the apostles right through until our day, even though there's just this, this vestige of it that is left. I think one of the dangers of changing uh, laws and tradition, you know, when you decide you want to change a tradition, you know, you might just be adapting. It doesn't really matter to change a tradition. It's just how traditions work. They're always mm-hmm. changing. But if you want to change a law, you're transgressing. Like the result of yeah, the right. law is sin. <laughs> and yeah. that's the danger of it. The only way that you can change God's law is to go into heaven, take God off his throne and sit there yourself. Which is blasphemous. And, and because, and, and I think because the, the Christians up in, in, in northern Ethiopia had, um, you know, the, so much of what they did had become tradition and because it's not in the Bible then they actually saw the Sabbath as being a part of the tradition rather than a part of the commandments of God which is why they weren't so um, concerned about changing over from from one tradition being Sabbath to another tradition being Sunday missing that actually Sabbath is one of the commandments of God alright I'm, I'm about to go in alright I'm about to, I'm about to throw some throw some stuff out here go on um, no because we of course um, there has been developments in the in the last couple of weeks uh, over child sex scandals, and uh, you know, especially the, the biggest one coming from that was you know the child sex scandal involving Cardinal Pell. The, at one point, the third. Okay, I'm most, not sure where this is coming the from. The third most. We're we talking about the Sabbath. And yeah, now yeah, we're yeah, talking yeah, about yeah, Pell? yeah. Check me out. The third most powerful, uh, you know, person in the Catholic Church, and uh, this this is where I'm going. We're talking about here, you know, people portraying traditions as commandments of God and taking commandments and saying, oh, they're changeable traditions. And with the Catholic Church, as we've been, you know, going through 
of royal commissions and the, and the findings of it has been that hey if, if we do away with the celibacy of the priesthood and the confessional well then like we, we're good we're going to eliminate so much of the problem um, but men are portraying traditions as commandments of God and so there's you know there's pushback they're like hey no we don't want to change we don't want to change this is what God wants us to do you know the confessional is well, the, the, the celibacy is what God the Bible wants. says actually the exact opposite the, of that exactly so there again it's it's another example of people portraying a tradition something that they made up something that can be easily changed especially when you say oh this tradition is really harmful but they say no we don't want to change this is the commandments of God and this is this is humanity we, we, we yeah. get things so backwards and so messed up where you know our traditions become important and the commandments don't be, be, mm. lose their importance it's like the obvious result of going against God <laughs> <laughs> speak it man speak it just put it out there all right, I think I've hijacked us enough with our question about <laughs> the fifth commandment. Yeah, we were somewhere somewhere in Revelation 14, weren't we? Yes. Would we like to get back on track? We were talking about the fall of Babylon. So the second angel's message is the fall of Babylon. We were noting that Babylon, one of the key identifying characteristics of Babylon is that all nations have drunk of her wine. We have found that biblically wine symbolizes traditions that replace the commandments of God. So we find that mm. the whole world drinks in the traditions of Christianity that have done away with the commandments of God. And of course, uh, the primary one amongst all of those is where the Sabbath, which is a commandment, has been replaced by Sunday, which is a tradition. Okay. Right. Now we're up to... Now we, now we, after all that, yes. We're up to angel number three. No. No, we're not. No, because there's so much more here in Revelation oh, 17 about who and what who and what Babylon is. You thought you went slow last week. You oh, have no idea. This is, this is Revelation. And you can't push Lyle through it fast, right? There's so much good <laughs> material here. Revelation 17, verse 3. We never read this one. Uh, okay. All yep, right. Go for it. All right. The Bible says in Revelation 17, verse 3, So the angel took me in the spirit into the wilderness. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that had seven horns, seven heads and ten horns, and blasphemies against God were written all over it. Okay, so you've got a woman symbolizing yes. a what? A church. You've got a beast symbolizing a what? A nation. And when you have a human riding a beast, which one is in control? The human. We hope. We, yeah. Yeah, that's the symbolism, though. Well, I don't know. I've ridden some gnarly horses. Before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> me too. I have ridden some gnarly horses, and I have come off some gnarly horses because that horse had a mind of its own. But the theory is that when you have a human riding an animal, that the human is the one who. So, so which one is in, which one is controlling which one here? The woman. The church. The the, the, the woman. woman. The church is controlling the state. <laughs> so you have a union of church and state. But the church is in control. Always a dangerous oh. combo. And of course, the amazing thing about Revelation is that, man, we know who this is already. We've, we know who these beasts are. Yeah, we talked about we, it last week. You we, talked about it last week. We've, we're, we're, we're just, we, we know it's up. And I hear you didn't hold back. This is awesome. Okay, let's, let's continue on here. Look for some more identifying characteristics. Um, so we find a church here. Um, so far in verse 1, the Bible says, this is a church that controls, you know, enormous 
population of the world. Uh, then in verse 2, we find this is a church that has um, political relationships with the political leaders of the world. Then also in verse 2, we find that this is a church that focuses on tradition to the expense of God's commandments. Mm. Here we find that it's a church that is a union of church and state with the church in control of the state. And now let's read verse 4. Mon, have you got that one for us there, please? And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Okay, so there's some pretty... Uh, some, <laughs> yeah, that's not, not exactly holding back right there. Um, a very hectic illustration. My, my, my translation is just like, oh yeah, impurities and immoralities. It's like... Yeah, and Mons just goes, filthiness of her abominations. <laughs> okay, so I've got a couple of questions here. The colors here. Colors are significant in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And here we have the colors of the sanctuary, don't we? Yeah. The scarlet. Almost, I want to say. Almost. Okay, so Mon is saying almost. So you've got scarlet and purple. Um, in the sanctuary, what do those two colors symbolize? The blood. Okay, so scarlet is a symbol of blood or sacrifice, yes. Mm. Is purple wine? Nope, nope. Purple is a symbol of royalty. And the reason that purple is a symbol of royalty is because the dye that that you used to make purple was made from a very small shellfish. It was very hard to find. It was very rare. And so only royalty could ever afford purple. And there was so much purple cloth used in the sanctuary because, you know, this was something they were making to honor God. Yeah. Okay, so we've got a symbol here of, 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 of the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus. We have a symbol of royalty. What are we missing, Mon? Blue. We're missing blue, right? Yes. And what is blue a symbol of? The sky? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, blue is not a symbol of the sky. Lawson, have you got any thoughts on what blue is, might be a symbol of? Blue? I can give you a hint. Let me give you a hint. In Australia, and generally around the world, we have some people in our society to this day that wear blue. We call them the boys in blue. What do they do? Oh, the police force. It's the law. Yes, the law. Hello. It's the symbol of the law. There you go. Okay, symbol of the law right there. We're going to come back right after this song. We're going to talk more about it.
Welcome back, everybody. Listen to Faith FM coming all the way from Ethiopia, where we are studying Revelation chapter yes. 14 from Revelation chapter 17. And we were talking about uh, the missing color. The boys in blue. The blue, the meaning lore. Yeah. Yes, so blue is a uh, is a is a is a symbol of law to this day, a symbol of which obedience. Is, which is funny because you think with this scarlet purple prostitute, whatever she is, this woman, you think that she'd want to have blue on her to be sort of the enforcement of the law, but I guess it's not the enforcement of the law. It's not really the boys in blue. It's the law, which means if she doesn't have it, she's lawless, right? Okay, which goes back to the fact that she has replaced the law with tradition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why there's no blue here. And she has this cup full of abominations and filthiness of her fallen case. But she's pretty decked out too. Yeah, yeah, because it says she's got pearls and and precious stones and gold. So you're looking at an institution here of absolute fabulous wealth. Yeah. Is that what the stones and the pearls represent? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is wealth. This is wealth right here. So you're looking for one of the most wealthy, if not the most wealthy institution on the planet. Mm -hmm. Because don't, don't all those different stones, like back in the Old Testament, like didn't they all represent something? Yes, yes, they all had uh, they all had symbolism. Um, you had twelve stones on the breastplate of the priest that symbolised the twelve tribes of Israel. Then you had a stone on each shoulder that was used for um, through prophecy for God to be able to communicate with His people. Mm. Um, that was a part of the theocracy of ancient Israel. I love this, the, sim- the, the symbolism of the Bible. Just everything tells a story. It's incredible. You can always just dig deeper and find more. Oh yeah, and we could believe me. We could Revelation seventeen. Don't even get me started on how deep you can go there. Sorry, I and I have never plumbed the depths of this. Um, you know, I don't have uh, I don't have scuba gear, scuba, <laughs> scuba gear, um, good enough to go as deep as Re- what you'll find in Revelation seventeen. There is so much more to learn. Mm. Okay, now um, verse five. Someone read for me verse five, right. please. Uh, Lawson's ready to go there. The Bible says in Revelation seventeen and verse five, a mysterious name was written on her forehead: Babylon the Great, mother of all prostitutes and obscenities in the world. Okay, so yeah, your your translation doesn't hold back on this one either. Mine just simply says abominations. Yeah. Uh, two things here. She has a name. What is her name? Babylon the Great. And we are studying in Revelation fourteen about the fall of Babylon. Uh huh. And. And uh, what is she drunk with? Uh, she was, she's drunk with? My yes. Bible says that she's drunk with the blood of saints and with the blood oh, of the yes, martyrs Oh, yes, verse 6. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, mm. I'm, 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 I'm running ahead. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. My bad. Um, and also, the Bible says that she is a mother, therefore, she has children. Ooh. She has daughters. Yes. So what you got then is a mother church. You have a church from which many other churches have broken away. Oh, yeah. There's an interesting identifying characteristics uh-huh. that you get in Revelation 17 you don't get in some of the other mm. uh, um, passages of the Bible. Okay, one more identifying characteristic, and Mon, if you can read this one for us. Let me just find it for us real quick in verse 9, please. And there is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. Okay, keep reading next verse. 
And there are seven kings, five are fallen, and one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short space. Ooh, the seven heads wow, and the ten horns. Wow, it's kind of cryptic, isn't it? It's so cryptic. And uh, in, in, I was one of the other uh, speakers here at this program, um, Etienne, he works for, he does he does our job. He's a radio host, a radio presenter at uh, 3ABN Radio, which is our sister radio station. Never just stay here. And, uh, and, and, and he and I had the biggest, longest discussion ever on the seven heads and the ten horns the other night. And mm. uh, he was wrong and I was right. <laughs> how about we get in him? How about we get Etienne into the show and see who, who he thinks is right and wrong? <laughs> yeah, you can all give us a call one eight hundred three two four eight four three. Here's the number. We'll take a vote on whether Lyle is right or whether Etienne is right. So, this is more of a popularity contest because no one's shared anything yet. But hey, you know, I'm I'm, I'm all for it. Faith FM, I'm, I'm backing us to the hills. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Yeah, the Lyle. <laughs> We have the microphone. We are the we ones who are in power. control. The power is ours. We are the ones who are right because we are the ones who are talking to you. Uh, no, it was a good Bible study, and it's always good to um, you know it's always good to, to to study these things through and to you know to nut different ideas backwards and forwards, mm. and you list, you just learn so much. Anyway, where were we? Um, okay, so the uh, the woman is 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 the great city that rules over the world. The Bible says. And that great city is sitting on seven mountains. Now, those mountains, of course, symbolize kingdoms. But we could observe at this particular point that there is a city that sits on seven mountains. Any idea what that city is? Oh, no. (laughs) I know what it is. You know what it is? I'm not going to say it, though, because I feel like I'm going to get in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so you're going to dump this on me, right? I'm going to have to yep. yep. Rome. Rome is the seven mountain, yeah, the seven, seven hills, mountain the seven city. Hilled city. Wow. It's called the seven hilled city. I know, I it has know always that. been called the seven hilled city. Ever since like Romulus and Remus has been called the seven hilled city, even though their city was only on one of those hills. Imagine if, imagine if Rome ended up being calling Reem. Yeah, well, that'd be so lame. <laughs> how does Lawson, how does your brain work? <laughs> like, I'm glad that it's called Rome. If it had been called Reem, then Reem would have been awesome and Rome would have been lame. No. That's true. <coughs> yep. Anyway, so um, really what we're dealing here with is a parallel of Revelation chapter 13 with that uh, Vatican and, I'm uh, sorry, that talks about the Vatican that uh, Darren and Lawson were talking about last night. The identifying characteristics are so clear, it is impossible for it to be anything else mm. at all whatsoever. End of story. And so there you've got the situation uh, where you go to Revelation chapter 14. In Revelation 17, of course, Babylon is, is, is never exalted to a point where it can fall anywhere. But in Revelation 14, at the end of time, you've got the fall of Babylon. And so now what you've got is the rest of the world following after Babylon. And as a result of that, there is a moral collapse within Christianity taking place at the end of the world. And this is what Revelation 14 is really talking about. It's telling us that the closer we get to the end of time, the more morality is going to collapse within Christianity. The further we are going to get away from God, the more we are going to be focusing on the teachings of human beings, of men, of, uh, of, of humanity, and less of the Word of God. And so it is a warning for us as Christians to stay with the Word of God. 
God. I'd say we're already there. You look around us, Lyle. Look around. We have moral collapse everywhere. And this is the thing that really, really makes me just terribly sad about preaching here in Ethiopia is you have the prosperity gospel evangelists over here preaching at the moment. And, of course, the Ethiopians are a developing country. They're not wealthy. Uh, they look to the West and they think, well, you know, they must be happier in Australia, which they're not, by the way. The suicide and depression rate is infinitely lower here. And, uh, and, and of course, they're, they're just completely ignoring the Word of God, preaching the prosperity gospel, leading them down a false path, giving them false hopes, and leading them to focus on themselves and a religion that is selfish and is soaked in the flesh. It is a tragedy, but we do need to move on with our show, and we'll be back with Question of the Day.
listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Part of camping caravanning scene. Join Australia's largest annual national gathering of travellers and caravanners at the Stewart's Point Convention Centre this year, Stewart's Point, New South Wales. It's an amazing campground among the trees. Inspirational Christian speakers. With incredible music. And beautiful beaches. And a relaxing environment. Be part of the community and make friends for life. May 10 through 18. Stewart's Point Caravan and Convention Centre. Contact Debbie on 02. 4994-3220 or simply email raynomads at adventist.org.au Feel it's 
we have come to the question of the day time. Lawson, have you got a question of the day for us today? Yes, the question of today is, what is the problem with meditation and mindfulness? Nothing. Oh, okay. End of question. All right. Next. Sweet. Let's go. Next. <laughs> Let's get Next. out of here. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. We, we need to talk about this a little bit more than that. Um, the Bible talks a lot about meditation um, and mindfulness, these kind of concepts. There is a very, very large difference between what the Bible says about meditation and what you often see found in our world in relationship to meditation today. Okay. So to find meditation in the Bible, you can go all the way back to the book of Genesis. And in Genesis chapter 24 and verse 63, the Bible says that Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the even time or the evening and lifted up his eyes and behold, he saw camels coming. And of course, on those camels was his soon to be wife. So that was kind of exciting for him. All right. But it's interesting here that what is Isaac doing? He's going out in the field in the evening um, at that pleasant time of the day to just spend some time in meditation and connecting with God. Now, of course, when we read the word meditation, we often think in our mind's eye of, you know, you might have often seen it down the beach and so forth. People will sit there cross-legged and they'll, they'll put themselves into this, uh, into this state and they will meditate there for some period of time and empty their mind. And so we have, you know, this, this, this transcendental meditation. We have Eastern meditation. And one of the key aspects of that is emptying your mind. In other words, they will, they will get you to focus on something like, you know, one hand clapping which of course is nothing see the whole concept is to empty your mind biblical meditation could not be more opposite than that and there's so many verses on it, so many good verses on it. Uh, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, the Bible says. Uh, Psalms 1 verse 2, but his delight is in the law of God, and in his law he does meditate day and night. So what does that mean? It simply means that we would take the law of God and we would dwell on it. We think about it. We let it soak into it. We, we discover the depths of its meanings. I often find when I'm reading the word of God, that, you know, the first time through, yeah, I get a bit of an idea what's going on. It's by the time I've read the passage four times that I start to really see the themes coming through and the message coming out and start to really understand what that passage of the Bible is all about. But not just the law of God, of course. Uh, Psalm 77, verse 12, I will meditate also of all of your work and all of your doings. And this is what I think Isaac was doing because, you know, you go out into the into nature, the, the outdoors. What are you going to be meditating on? The things that God has created. And certainly here in Africa, there are some amazing things that God has yeah. created, things I have certainly never seen before, uh, which is just fantastic. Uh, another one here, I will meditate on your teachings and have respect unto your ways. That's Psalms 119, verse 15. Uh, oh, so many verses here we could read about meditating. I don't even know where to start. First um, Timothy 4 and verse 15, Paul says to Timothy, Meditate on these things. Give yourself wholly to them, that your profiting may appear to all. So here's the key. Biblical meditation. Christian meditation is different from Eastern meditation. Christian meditation is the kind of uh, environment where you, you, you will find yourself in a quiet place and you will simply spend time connecting with God and filling your mind 
It's all about the, it's the complete opposite. It's all about filling your mind with the Word of God, with the law of God, and with the things of God. Okay, so this whole concept of emptying your mind, uh, not such a great idea. The Bible talks about it in Psalm, uh, sorry, Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, what happens if our mind is empty? And uh, let me just find this very quickly. Luke chapter 11, the Bible says in... Uh, okay. Uh, when the unclean spirit goes out of a man and walks through dry places, so he's left the man empty, seeking rest and finding nothing, he says, I will return to my house where I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and clean and empty. Then he goes and takes to him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, that enter in and live there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. You do not want to have an empty mind. You want it filled with the things of God. This is Quiet Times by Candy and Daryl Kuhn.
Welcome back, everybody. You were listening to Quiet Times by Candy and Daryl Kuhn here on Faith FM. And we have come to the end of the show, which means that we are about to give something away. It will come to you all the way from Ethiopia. No, it won't. It'll come to you from our office in Melbourne. Yes. Here on Faith FM. And so what have you got for us to give away there? So you can still call our number. It won't come through to us. It will go through to the office. All right. You ready? Yes, I'm Here we go. So this book I've got here, it's called Help in Daily Living. It's by Ellen G. White. Um, and, you know, it's got a little subheading, A Practical Guide to Everyday Blessings. I need this book. Man, I need this book too. Everyone needs this Help book. Help in Daily Living. I think the reason why we've been talking about meditation, I think the reason why people get so into it is they're trying to, you know, set themselves right to, you know, get into the day and, and to have a good day or, or whatever it may be, you know. It's all about emptying yourself so that you can be, you know, focused and, and have a, a good day or a good time. But this book here, um, it's just it's just all about filling your life with God and, and recognizing those blessings. You know, sort of, as you were saying, the meditation, you know, the Christian meditation is the opposite of Eastern meditation because you're filling your life with the blessings and the understandings. This book is 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 that, essentially. Absolutely. Just going through those blessings that, that, that God gives us, going through how to reap those blessings and how we can just live our best possible life. You know? Okay, because give us a call. Awesome. 1-800-FAITH-FM is the number. one 800 324843 if you would like a copy of the book Help in Daily Living or text us on 0491-064669 be the first caller through and that book is yours for free of course we always offer at the end of our show if you guys want to get in touch with us um, and learn more about the Bible we have heaps of courses heaps of things you can do again give us a call 1-800-324-843 